Welcome to Hearsay Social on the Air, episode 91. We love to make great products. Our mission is to make the world more open and connected. Our mission is to organize. Yahoo is about Welcome to Hearsay Social on the Air. I'm Victor Gaxiola, and today joining me here in New York, and she's been on the show before, is Weifun Zhu, who is the customer success executive who works with T. Rowe Price and our special guest today. That's great. Thanks, Victor. Uh, our special guest today is Julie Hessen, who is the digital marketing manager leading the Hearsay Social program at T. Rowe Price. Yeah, so I sat down, as you know, with uh, Julie, and we had a conversation about their digital program. And so without further ado, here is the interview, and once it's done, we'll come back and we'll talk about it. Great. So joining me from Baltimore, Maryland, we've got Julie Hessen from T. Rowe Price. So welcome, Julie. Thank you. So why don't we get started with the simple question, and that is just tell us a little bit about yourself and your current role. Well, I, um, I'm what they call the technologist turned marketer. I've worked in the technology field my whole life since college, and I won't tell you how long that life is because it's long, <laughs> too long. Um, worked in several roles. So I, I started out from college as a developer, moved into an analyst role, project manager, consultant, um, pretty much in every facet. And I came to T. Rowe Price in 1997. T. Rowe had a great reputation, was close to my home. I heard it had great benefits, so I thought, let's, let's give it a try. So what I found when I came here was a company that really does care about the investors and they're super conservative in their decision-making, which is really the, to the benefit, uh, you know, with all the market drops that we've had. It sometimes is challenging working for them because they're slow on decision-making, but it's always in the end seems to be a good thing. I also found a culture of people with values and integrity that really care about their employees and you know, that word work-life balance actually means something here at T-Row, which um, I took advantage of when I had children. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've worked, I've had the opportunity to work on many proje- projects, many systems across many of our business lines here at T-Row and um, had a lot of experience. So in the technology department, I've worked 18 years in the technology department here at T-Row. In 2011, I was asked to be the technology manager to start our brand social presence. So we were not on social media, and it was a long, arduous process with our legal team, even technology group, joined the business in, in the, uh, on the team itself. You know, we're in a very regulated space, and with the firm being very conservative, our legal department's, you know, very conservative on the, on the regulatory bodies. It, it did prove to be a very long and painstaking process to, uh, to get that through. 
The business had, had been in talks with the lawyers a year before I even joined the team. But finally, in early 2012, we launched Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn for the brand now. This is just for the brand side. And they've had great successes and uh, even expanded to Instagram earlier this year. So 2014 brought about the desire to say, let's get our associates to be able to use social media for business purposes because we just have the brand. And T. Rose is very small. I mean, we are a large under assets under management, but we have a very small sales force. We're not like our, a lot of our competitors or have, you know, thousands of uh, advisors and wholesalers out there selling. We have a very, very small sales staff. So you can uh, only imagine how social has helped us with that. So 2014, they wanted to start using it for business purposes in the B2B space only. This isn't, you know, this isn't to the retail investor. Decided to start using and try it with LinkedIn. But once again, we faced challenges to ensure that we could comply with our regulators and monitoring retention. But also, another wrinkle was thrown in, that we could comply with the employee laws. Mm. Because now our associates are using their personal LinkedIn accounts. We have to make sure that we aren't violating any employee laws. So that actually fueled a few extra challenges ourselves. We have, we have a current social media relationship system uh, for our brand channel. It wasn't able to meet that need, so we went on the search for another tool. After a, a careful RFP process and review of the tools in the space, Hearsay Social was selected unanimously by our team. And at the same time we were onboarding Hearsay, the business was on the hunt for a person to manage the entire program moving forward because obviously we needed to have a program management staff to be able to, you know, curate content, processes, work with legal, all kinds of uh, all kinds of fun things. So they were on the hunt for that person. I decided to apply for the position and make the leap into marketing early last year. Or so have um, have moved from the technology group into marketing, and it was it's been a very fun experience for me so far. Challenging my brain. <laughs> well, moving into you know the marketing and especially from a tech background, can sometimes and especially when it comes to working on a project like implementing a social media program, can be quite an undertaking. I'm a little curious because you do have such a rich background in technology. Is what led you to actually go into marketing? In my technical role, I, I worked with many departments, and marketing was one that always in, intrigued me because of its creative nature. Um, in, in the technology world, you kind of, you know, do the same things over and over for different uh, departments, but marketing always seemed to be a new challenge, which I liked. I think the thing that mostly intrigued me was building the, building a business from the ground up. So pretty much the associate program, social program is kind of, you know, it's kind of touted to me as this is, you just build your own business. It's like, you know, um, managing a workshop and, and, and building it from the ground up. And that really interested me. I wanted to see how I could affect the, the business's bottom line through, the per, uh, through a program like this. Plus, I, I like the idea of the ever-changing world of social. You know, it keeps me on my toes, that's for sure. So my tech background has given me a little bit of a leg, leg up in the role with, uh, you know, all the experiences that I've had. Yeah, I want to dig a little deeper as far as your technology background because you bring a very unique perspective to the space from the standpoint that you can understand kind of the technology behind it, but then now kind of putting a marketing hat on in how you leverage the technology for those connections. And as you had mentioned before, 
uh, T. Rowe Price, and when it comes to your sales and service associates, they are very focused on more the business-to-business relationships. So they're not actually going out there to investors to create these relationships. They're going to the people who have the relationships with the clients, right? So advisors and retirement specialists. So can you tell us a little bit about your observations with that technology background um, and observations about the industry in general? Well, I think that our associates in the program have found, you know, the hearsay platform very easy to work with. Um, as a matter of fact, I did a survey very recently just to poll to see, you know, the kind of content we have in the library and the tool and the user experience. I think that they find it very easy to use. I leverage the campaign um, functionality in hearsay a lot to make it easy on them. Mm-hmm. As far as my technology background, I do think it helps me. It helps me question the status quo and think of more efficient ways to do things. Because I understand how systems are built, that's helped me offer realistic solutions to hearsay and actually to LinkedIn um, and for our own internal processes. You know, all that background that I have on on, um, modeling and strategy is really helping me, um, you know, evaluate what's really going on, what's realistic, and... um, making the system and the platforms better. Well, we often take a look at it and we talk about how in order for the adoption to be there, it does have to be simple and easy. And you mentioned that, uh, you know, T. Rowe Price is operating with a smaller sales force, let's say, uh, by comparison to some of its contemporary or other others along the same lines. Um, what were some of the other catalysts within T. Rowe Price that led to your social and digital strategy? Well, the... The biggest one is the need to stay in front of our clients and prospects, mm-hmm. right, and to build and deepen our relationships, mm-hmm. uh, to put a face behind our story and brand and to promote our brand. So the more people we can get talking about T-Row, um, the more our brand exposure is, because like I said, we are a small small firm. A lot of people don't know who T-Row Price is, and probably folks listening on the call today might not have heard of us, but I'm sure if I mentioned one of our competitors, they would. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I kind of compare it to you know, think about junk mail, right? We used to get junk mail in our mailbox. Mm-hmm. We couldn't stand all the junk mail in our mailbox. Now, of course, that's lessened, right? Then we get the, then we used to get phone calls, the solicitors calling our phone. Then our email box with junk mail. And so what I, what I try and stay away from is, and, and I'm trying to teach the folks in the program, is let's not let social media be, you know, become the next junk mail. Don't hit the person with a connection invite, a call, and an email on the same day because you found them on LinkedIn. Let's make sure you, you think through how to um, approach that person, learn about that person, and come through with a connection request, you know, in a thoughtful way. Hopefully, they you accept your connection request, start to see what you're actually um, promoting out, the thought leadership you're um, promoting out on LinkedIn, and then they're going to want to build a relationship with you. So it's a little different way to build a relationship. It's slower, um, um, but, but yet yeah, we don't want to have that junk mail approach. Mm-hmm. And what's been the, uh, the reaction from your sales and service associates when it comes to embracing social media as a way of connecting with advisors and, uh, and the people that they actually service? Well, I think with anything, some grab hold very, very well and others, you know, are kind of in the background. And I think it's going, you know, it takes time. You know, we started with, we were, we started with 15 folks. Um, we wanted to run a pilot for about six months with, you know, taking on a, uh, maybe up to 25 associates. Mm-hmm. And um, just so then we could ensure the tool met the needs, 
streamline the process, assess the benefits, right, and then determine what are the right resources needed to support additional people in the same business line. So in our retirement plan services, if I add more people, how many how, how many more associates do I need in the program management office, how many in compliance, how many in legal. And then as you bring additional business units on that are going to be different content, uh, what are the resources there that are going to be needed. Mm-hmm. And when you went through that initial pilot program and you kind of expanded it out, did you did you have any specific challenges and and how did you overcome them? Yeah, I think if you you ask me the challenges, I'm always jealous when I go to these social media, I go to conferences and meetings, and I'm jealous of those companies that do social like it should be done, mm-hmm. meaning in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, we <laughs> can't do that. We have to plan everything. We have to pre-approve everything, and it makes it very hard to be timely. Um, my biggest challenge in setting the program up would would still be our legal team's view of the regulating rules. And, you know, they're very conservative, and it's a good thing for us because they're protecting our best interests, and I, I understand. But from my side, it's, it's you know, it's a little bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. So on day one of the pilot, everything had to go through legal to be pre-approved. Uh, like uh, a comment, obviously content has to go through um, pre-approval, but everything had to go through pre-approval. Mm-hmm. And there was also a lot of manual screenshotting that had to be done. Wow. So during, during the pilot, though, we were able to show real-life data, examples, uh, and have been able to remove some of those pre-approvals and some of the manual retention that we were doing. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a proof of concept. Right. Well, it is, it is um, you know, very similar experience that we've heard from other organizations that they really have to crawl before they walk, walk before you run. And it's a learning process. And it's not limited to just the marketing folks. It's across multiple lines of business, multiple departments that are kind of learning through this together in order to find that happy medium. And uh, and so now that the program's been in place for, for a while, uh, what kind of impact is social, mobile, and digital having at T. Rowe Price? Well, I think it's creating brand awareness. And again, I think it's putting faces behind our firm. And it's allowing our very intelligent client-facing associates to become thought leaders in the industry. And I'm also seeing, you know, our senior leaders actually want to start uh, being part of it. So I actually have one senior leader um, on board, and we have several others that want to come on board. Um, They're seeing the impact from the pilot group, and and they're asking to join. It's actually a whole different content stream that you have to create for them. So it's a whole different curation process, whole different, um, you know, stream of content. And luckily, Hearsay makes it easy because, you know, we just assign a, a region uh, specific to them, and then they can just get their customized content in that uh, in that region that's for them. But just something to think about. Well, thought leadership content I know goes over very well, and the fact that you've got someone you know at a senior level that's willing to provide and contribute, I think, is a great testament to the value that they've associated with this program. I'm kind of curious, what other content is being leveraged, and what kind of content is resonating with the advisors that uh, that you're looking to attract? Well, we provide a mix of content in the content library for a team to select from. We also, like I said, use the campaign functionality um, quite a bit to so that with one button they can subscribe to maybe one of our campaigns. Like right now we're running a financial wellness campaign. So instead of making them, you know, put five, ten uh, posts on their calendar, we'll do a drip campaign maybe once a week or something like that on a specific topic, which is really beneficial. Um, human interest posts do seem to do the best. Mm-hmm. 
uh, as far as engagement. But I always wonder, is it doing the best of engagement because those advisors that are liking those know that they're not out of regulation with those? You know, because if they go and like an industry post, they probably have to get some kind of approval or some kind of retention. You know, they want to stay in compliance as well. We know that LinkedIn is not Facebook. Facebook, people are liking and commenting, you know, every every day. And LinkedIn, I think it's more of a review and read. You know, if you can get the person to click that link and review your article or review where it is you want to send them to, you know, that's a big win. You know, we know that um, there's a couple challenges still with LinkedIn. doesn't provide us all the click data that we want to provide on the personal pages, which we hope, um, you know, will be corrected. But, um you know, there's a lot of great stories to tell. We do have some great engagement. Um, I think one of our biggest uh, engagement posts was on a new hire. So we had, a, you know, the picture of a new hire salesperson in, and uh, the territory, head of territory sales made an announcement and, you know, where the person came from and they're so excited. And it got a lot of, um, a lot of engagement, a lot of comments and a lot of likes on that post. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also doing it at conferences. We're trying to leverage it at uh, different conferences. So uh, we'll do some selfies at booths, and, you know, if we're in a session, you know, speaking, we'll make sure we're announcing those sorts of things. And, um, you know, but it's really paying off in the long run. Yeah, and those stories and the anecdotes that you get from the field as far as people having success with using social media as it relates to making connections, sharing content, and getting that feedback, whether it's a comment, click, or a like, uh, what we're really looking at is business value. And so I was curious as to how T. Rowe Price is assessing its, uh, the business value of your digital strategy. Are you creating reports or are you having to have to create some sort of roll-up to senior executives to share exactly what you're seeing in the field? So I do run the reports out of here, say, you know, how many likes and how many comments. But again, it's, I'm only on LinkedIn, so we're not getting, you know, what the kind of engagement you would get on a Facebook or a or maybe even a Twitter. Mm-hmm. So really it's the anecdotes, mm-hmm. I think, that are our big wins. So that hiring post. Um, with that hiring post, that manager got three, whether it was a call or private messages, with on the same day that he posted that for another position that we had because they saw the uh, new hire post. And it was really qualified, good candidates because you're getting all the pull of all those connections from all the associates that also shared that job posting. So um, I think there's a lot of anecdotes that we're getting um, through this story. We also have gotten, um, which I I didn't think it would come so far, but we got a new sales opportunity. Hmm. Someone got a private message. As soon as they got, they switched firms and came here. Um, He got a private message about, you know, an an opportunity to firm he's working at that had a, um, um, a retirement plan uh, need. That's outstanding. And that's exactly what we, I mean, you will get a lot of great stories when it comes to the use of social to bridge, you know, and create relationships and, and changes that actually lead to, you know, business value. So those are the ones that we typically find. I would agree with you when, especially if you're focused on a single network only that the amounts of, you know, clicks, comments, shares, and likes are only kind of a cosmetic uh, measure And as we have pointed out in the content itself, oftentimes it's a question as to whether or not they're doing it because of the content or if they're doing it just because of the, um, the safety of the content. It's easy for you to like someone saying happy Labor Day as opposed to, let's say, you know, something that's a little bit deeper and related to financial services. 
Right. So we're an industry that's in constant flux. And as you can see, just the changes that are taking place and you yourself having moved from a very technology focus now into marketing, which kind of bridges with social media, the technology aspects. Uh, I was curious from your perspective, and I think you could provide a very unique one. Where do you see digital technology actually moving or evolving now in financial services? Well, for a 75-year-old firm that served clients uh, on all the traditional channels, right, it's hard to move to that the new age, right? If you're a startup and you're building from scratch, you can do that. But now we're trying to tie in our traditional channels, um, you know, and the digital channels because obviously we want that omni-channel experience, right? I mean, you guys talk about omni-channel, but that really is the ideal world, but it's, it's making sure you're tightening the links between the traditional and digital so you have a seamless customer experience, making sure we understand the customer's journey to ensure we have integrated that traditional and digital in the right way. So, you know, if they, they go online to start filling out something and then they decide to finish filling it out and, and call a rep, it's all seamless and there for um, whichever channel they decide to use. Um, you know, and I also think, obviously, mobile and, um, and you know, lack of card, credit cards, cash is, you know, in the future as well. Um, but, you know, a mobile experience to me is just part of the digital experience. So you've got to have that everything optimized for digital, for mobile, for iPad, whatever it is that you're using, whatever device you're using. Mm-hmm. No, I, I would agree. I, I think that in, in most cases when we talk to people, and I just recently had been to the uh, – Limmer Loma Social Business Conference for uh, financial services. There was a lot of talk about mobile and uh, and the fact that uh, you know it, it cuts through the clutter from the standpoint that we are opening up our messages. We are uh, going to our phone sometimes, in some cases, within 150 to 200 times a day. And so it's it's part you know it's an extension of who we are now. And so we're seeing more and more use and proliferation of organizations that are you know fighting to get the attention of individuals, and they're finding it. Uh, that mobile, uh, a mobile strategy to do that is something that every organization needs to consider. Right. You know, part of that is, is you know, just feeding into the, the digital experience, whether it's through the, you know, retargeting or, you know, you see all those pop-ups. So, you know, you go and you search on a car and then all of a sudden you're on a website and you see that car on your right-hand side, right. you know, window. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's all that intelligence that's going on behind the scenes that, you know, with the cookies on your on your machines that are doing that for you. So we have to make sure we do the same thing here at T-Row. Yeah. You know, and the funny thing about that is even though I know the, that it's happening in the background and, and, and that, that there's algorithms that are doing it, it still kind of freaks me out. You know, if I'm on yeah, Facebook and I see, right. It's a little freaky. It's a little freaky. So consider, I said creepy, but cre- like freaky works Freaky too. and <laughs> creepy. Yeah. It's still a little scary, but I understand the technology behind it. So given that all of this changes as quickly as it does, uh, how do you stay, you know, current and competitive um, with all these changes that are taking place? You know, to stay current and competitive, I do participate in a lot of the uh, conferences. I'm I'm a member of socialmedia.org, which has a lot of firms in different industries that we share all kinds of information and it's kind of all, you know, private and in the group. You can't really go outside the group, but you can really ask some really good questions and um, about vendors, about topics, about how did you do X, Y, and Z, and you get a lot of good answers. Um, and usually, you know, phone calls, 
Um, I attend a couple different conferences this year. As a matter of fact, I went to the Hearsay Conference earlier this year, which was, um, you know, very enlightening and a lot of good speakers there. So you have to listen to what other folks are doing and leverage what they have to say and then bring it back and see if it's practical for your, you know, for your firm. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of uh, peer-to-peer kind of sharing and information as far as best practices and understanding exactly how it's being used. And I'm, and I'm guessing for for you, um, Julie, in light of the fact that you are focused on that B2B, is hearing exactly the types of information and content that those who are maybe involved in wealth management, what their advisors want to see and hear, must help, you know, from the standpoint of knowing what kind of content to surface to assist them and what would be a, a resource that you can provide so it makes it much easier for them to conduct their business. Am I right about that? Right. Right, because they're busy people and traveling and on the road a lot, like I said, small sales staff. So this is just one extra, you know, little coin in their pocket that they can pull out and actually just be in front of their audience instead of how many times can you email somebody? How many times can you call them? Not a whole lot before you get on their, you know, before you get on their nerves. Mm -hmm. So now you are starting, if you're connected to them on LinkedIn and you're posting twice a week, three times a week, even, you know, all of a sudden your name's at the top of the list when they come in top of the home feed and they're like, Oh yeah, Julie, I remember her. Mm -hmm. So it's just that, you know, top of mind kind of um, mindset that we have here and, and how we're using LinkedIn. We know that, you know, true sales, it's going to be hard to measure the true sales through this program. I think everybody understands that, but I think the value beyond that is the thought leadership, the brand exposure, the putting the faces. This is the first program where we actually have to be able to put, you know, a face behind a behind, behind T-Row, which is a great thing. Um, we do have one person using hearsay who is on Twitter. She's one of our financial education um, uh, experts here at T-Row. So um, she didn't have a Twitter following before, but now using hearsay, uh, we are generating some content for her. And, and she is herself as well, um, you know, different conferences and leveraging other people's works and, you know, mentioning them. So her Twitter handle is at Judith B. Ward. Uh, somebody to take a look at then. So obviously a lot of changes that are taking place at T. Rowe Price and is certainly, you know, at the helm there and being able to bridge the technology with the digital and social and really empowering your your, your folks uh, to be able to make those connections. So what's next at T. Rowe Price as it relates to uh, digital technology? Well, I can speak to what's next with uh, the social program for associates. So as I said, last September is when we kicked off our program. We started with about 15 folks. We're up to around 30 right now. And, and really, we have a lot of people chomping at the bit to get in the program. And when I say associates in the same business unit, so in the retirement plan services, and then we have other business units that are uh, really wanting to get in, even our uh, international folks. We have an international um, business line that they really want in as well. At this time, it's resources, right? So we're in the planning processes process and defining the resources we need. I know the resources I need. We just have to get funding for them. Also, you have compliance that plays a part and legal that pay, plays a part in this. And then you have your marketing team. So if I bring a new business line on, there's got to be a marketing person that's going to curate content uh, that's applicable to that business unit because they know the voice, they know the content, they know the audience. And um, so there will be the curators of that content. 
Um, so we're kind of doing that planning process right now. Um, I'm, I'm targeting 50 associates in the program by the end of the year. And then once I get the new resources in 2017, hoping we, um, by the end of 2017, we're at 150 to 200. Wow. Okay. Well, quite a bit of a ramp up from the uh, initial 15 that you started with. That's right. So we're deep in fall now. Football season's gotten started. The whole country's excited about the NFL. But I know you have a very special team. So you want to tell us a little bit about who you're supporting this year? Oh, not just this year. Oh, we're supporting uh, the Baltimore Ravens. And, yeah, Labor Day just passed, and we had our first opening game this past weekend. And, you know, I love fall. I love the changing of seasons. I love the cooler air. I love We love football. And, you know, I am – sad to see summer go because we we are big boaters and we if you've never been on the chesapeake bay it's just rich with scenery beautiful scenery and historic you know points and we uh we do a lot of traveling on the chesapeake and are trying to get to different um, each year um but it's, it's a it's a fun time so i am sad to see that go um and the boat will eventually get put up on blocks but you know also happy that Love, love fall season, love football, and looking forward to all, all that time of year. Yeah, it's beautiful. I actually had the uh, good fortune of taking my family out to Baltimore last summer, and uh, you're right. You get it right on the water. Took them down to, uh, we were in Baltimore, saw Fort McHenry, had some crab, then took them down to Annapolis and the Naval Academy. I got to tell you, you live in a beautiful part of the country, and I actually had the good fortune of living out there for about two years in Gaithersburg when my dad was working for IBM. So I know the area well, and I'm jealous of all the great crab that you guys get. But, you know, we have our own crab here in San Francisco. We got the Dungeness crab, uh, but uh, you only get it during a certain season. So, Well, here, too, you only get certain seasons. But, yeah, Maryland does have a wealth of, you know, because we have the beautiful mountains, skiing, hunting, fishing, um, and then we have the Chesapeake Bay, too. So it, it is a beautiful state. Yeah, it's, it's great to get out on the water and enjoy the warmth. And, of course, now we're all very excited about the NFL. I, of course, big 49ers fan. I don't really hold up too much hope that they're going to have a great season. But, you know, I'm just glad football's back. Yes. Well, I really want to thank you, Julie, for sharing so much information as it relates to some of the unique challenges that you faced uh, and the opportunities and how you're going about illustrating the value of social within T. Rowe Price um, especially because you are working more in that B2B uh, world as opposed to direct to the consumer. Um, if people wanted to learn more about your organization or learn more about you, what would be their best resource? Well, if you want to learn about t you can go to our website, which is trowprice.com. That's T-R-O-W-E-P-R-I-C-E.com. Of course, we're on Twitter. It's the same, you know, the handle is trowprice. And we're on Facebook as well, T. Rowe Price. Instagram, um, we have a really good Instagram. Um, not so much following, but we have great, um, a lot of dark, dark posts that are doing wonderful on Instagram as well. Great. Well, I want to thank uh, my guest today, Julie Hessen from uh, T. Rowe Price, in sharing her thoughts on digital technology and exactly the, the fine work that you're doing out there in moving a social agenda along. And... Uh, we uh, look forward to seeing you at one of the upcoming conferences or one of the events before the end of the year. Thanks so much, Victor. Appreciate your time today. All right. Take care.
So that was my interview um, with Jilly. What did you think? No, I thought that was fantastic. I mean, Julie has a lot of experience and I think, you know, having an IT background and then moving into marketing really lends a very fresh and interesting perspective of deploying, you know, hearsay social at a very conservative firm. Mm-hmm. And I think you recognize, I mean, I've, I found that a very fascinating part of the narrative. And as you can tell from the interview that I had with her, there was a questions around making that adjustment when you go from a very engineering type world to marketing, where I think engineering is a very more, well, it's a lot more specific, you know, mm-hmm. very prescribed and directional. Uh, linear. That marketing yeah. is a little bit more fluid. It's more related to sales. And so I'm sure that there was an adjustment there, but I think she really wanted to make an impact on their business and affect the bottom line. And she saw that moving into marketing and focusing on digital and very specifically social was going to allow them to do that. And it sounds like she's been enjoying it and learning throughout the process. Yeah. I mean, the, the program has experienced tremendous growth um, since starting in 20, uh, earlier this year, actually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, actually since 2015, <laughs> it's not, it's not 2015 anymore. <laughs> and, uh, it's been absolutely fantastic to see not only, um, the firm really start to embrace this from a wholesaler perspective, but also for Julie to, you know, start driving more interesting marketing strategies through the digital program and getting, Really, people really excited about this program mm-hmm. inside the firm. Yeah, something that we see consistently, and I was glad to hear it echoed, at, at least so it has taken place at T. Rowe Price, is recognizing that their focus is more B2B. So they're looking at the advisor community as their primary customer, is they understood that they needed to embrace social in order to stay in front of their clients and prospects and really create an opportunity for T. Rowe Price and their associates to tell their story and build on that brand awareness because there's a lot of competition in this space. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Tiro has had a fantastic brand presence, you know, through the the brand channel so far, but now being able to enable the rest of their wholesalers and that extended network is really, really powerful for them, completely amplifies the voice of the brand Mm -hmm. and allows people to be, you know, present a very authentic voice to their networks and getting new business, you know, trying to make new connections and even hiring practices, as Julie was mentioning earlier. Mm -hmm. The other thing too is, and it goes back to the voice, is that thought leadership that comes through this process by sharing content and ensuring that they were very uh, systematic about wanting to make sure, let's let's not this be just another kind of junk mail. Let's actually ensure that we're adding value to the advisors that we're looking to attract so they understand a little bit about who we are how we add value, and now it seems to be getting, obviously, the validation that they've been looking for because apparently there's interest from senior, senior leadership to wanting to get involved and other individuals that are really getting more active. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that a lot of that success is really attributed to the focus on tone and voice mm-hmm. and really customizing, being precise about the language that you use on social and that's been extremely successful for the wholesalers that are part of the program. And I really hope to see the leadership also take part in this and start sharing, you know, that that very discreet, you know, commentary out onto social. Mm-hmm. She mentioned one individual, which is one of their thought leaders, Judith B. Ward. That's the at Judith B. Ward on Twitter. And I actually went and took a look at Judith and I followed her post. And she does post outstanding content. You really get a sense that she knows about financial education and the things that are important to the people she's trying to reach out. So I can see we're an organization, and we've seen this you know, time and time again with different organizations that we work with, is that once they understand the value, they really start, uh, they really start amplifying that value to their customers. Absolutely. And you know, 
one of the greatest things about T Rose program is that um, you know everybody is encouraged to share content and make sure that you know their audience is actually sharing their content and so the program really focuses on amplification the brand presence but also the presence of the individual advisor and the the thought leaders that are being uh, you know showcased by the firm mm-hmm. now for some people who were this might be the first time they've listened to one of our programs especially where we profiled one of our customers just in your role uh, and working as a customer success executive, how do you define the work that you do? Sure. So I basically help Julie in her day-to-day. I, you know, There's a lot of frustrations in the world of technology, and sure. so I basically uh, go in and, and try to help optimize the program for any sort of hiccups that may be encountered by the policies of the firm or by you know, even social media developments by the various networks themselves. And so helping Julie in her day-to-day, making sure that things are running properly, making sure that we also have a horizon view of the 90-day plan or the 180-day plan, and really just, you know, making sure that we're on track to achieve those goals that we set for ourselves six months down the line to make sure that this program gets the visibility and the success uh, that it really deserves. So it's, it's in the name, and that comes with, you know, touch points throughout the process, yeah ensuring that, you know, things are being, you know, moving forward. And as she starts growing the program within Tiro Price, that we're there and part of every step along the way. Absolutely. And really helping ease any pain points that they encounter um, with our software, you know, every once in a while. (laughs) There are things that happen. And so uh, just making sure that we get through all these hiccups okay and we strengthen the role of the program as we continue to grow it. Well, outstanding. Well, I really enjoyed my time talking with Julie, and it sounds like her program is moving along. I am sure you have a lot to do with that. So thank you so much for the work that you do as well. Thank you, Victor. I mean, this has been really fun. So once again, this is Hearsay Social on the air. I encourage you to uh, follow us on Twitter using hashtag HSOnAir. We're always looking for comments and questions and suggestions for future guests. But once again, uh, my special guest was Julie Hessen from T. Rowe Price. And of course, here in New York with uh, Weifang Zhu. I want to thank you very much for being on the show. And we look forward to seeing you in a future show here at Hearsay Social on the air. Thank you. Say Social Production, recorded in our state-of-the-art recording studios in San Francisco, California, the Great Golden State, seated at the watery edge of the majestic Pacific Ocean. We'd like to take this brief moment in the vast expanse of time to thank you, our listeners, for lending us your ears, for we understand that your time is precious. Like the most delicately crafted pearl, cradled at the bottom of the sea. Truly, we hope to our most inner heart and soul that you'll consider joining us for next week's episode. But until then, Godspeed, and follow us on Twitter 